like to give a very warm welcome to our presenter today, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Uh, Dave is a value delivery leader at BioRad Laboratories. He influences cross-functional teams to deliver amazing quality products to delight customers. Dr. Dave is the founder of the Five Saturdays program that empowers high school students through agility and innovation by providing uh, learning experiences in technology and lean business. He's also the author of the book, uh, called Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way, and innovator of the game Agility Shift Leader. Uh, Dr. Dave also produces a podcast on iTunes and Google uh, Google Play titled No Share with Dr. Dave. Dave, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I am great. It's a great to be here for a second year in a row where we look forward to sharing amazing knowledge and experiences. So we are grateful to be here today. Yes, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so let's just go my screen, show my screen. Is it? I don't know if I'm doing it right, Denise. I may need your help here. Uh, yes, we can see your screen. Um, okay, that's right. I need to bring up the presentation. I, my, 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 I'm so sorry about that. I forgot to. No worries. Bring that up. So this is the the wonderful goodness of uh, of live webinars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you you forget about things that you have to do, right? I mean, it's it's a. Uh, Okay, so good morning and welcome to the first Agile Focus webinar of 2017. I hope everyone created a set of new year evolutions versus resolutions. I recommend evolution because we should incrementally evolve into our desired outcome and enjoy the journey. So today I selected a word called the word of the day and it's called relevant. And relevant really means directly connected to a solution or problem. And I decided also to connect that word of the day to a quote of the day. And so the quote of the day comes from Christina Halverson, and she's a content strategy for the web, and her quote is, quality, relevant content can't be spotted by an algorithm. You can't subscribe to it. You need people actual human beings to create or curate it. So human beings are very important to everything that we do and most of our focus will be about how do we get you to be stronger and better deliverers in the context of using agility and others and lean thinking. So let's begin with just a simple abstract that the agile practice promises a factor of four or more outcomes and benefits than traditional project management techniques. So this webinar explores the actions needed to achieve the 4x more phenomena with engaged teams. The agile practice also removes silos and truly accomplishes stronger cross-functional team engagement. 
So when we think of the economic value, it goes beyond just financial measures and includes such phenomena as happiness index, job satisfaction, engagement, collaboration, innovation, and more. You know, right now I'm currently experimenting with a peer-to-peer -peer recognition program with my teams, and they're genuinely excited about telling others that they are awesome and appreciated. So when you think of it, you ask, what is the economic value of people feeling happy and satisfied with their jobs? I, I opine that innovation is the answer, which leads to the financials that the fiduciary responsibility of business leaders. So we're going to get Forex more and explore the economic value of, of Agile organization. We're going to have wonderful topics today. So we'll, we'll talk about lean thinking and Agile practices, something that I've talked a lot about. Uh, visioning and strategic themes, cross-functional team collaboration, people contributors and or contributions, quality, and faster time to market. And something that a lot of people may not spend a lot of time thinking about is net promoter score. So at the end of this uh, presentation, we want you to be able to identify elements to realize the 4x more outcome, uh, to develop strategies to intentionally focus on collective ownership, and create a collaborative, engaging environment. So I grabbed a, a quick quote, again, from uh, the Harvard Business Review. And if you know who Jeff Sutherland is and Hirotaka Takuishi, um, those two are responsible for creating this whole Agile phenomena. And they're well quoted in, in many different media and platforms. So when we think about Agile innovation methods have revolutionized information technology. And over the past 25 to 30 years, success rates in the software development improved quality, speed to market, and boosted motivation and pro productivity of IT teams. So looking at the guys who actually brought this about, and Harvard Business Review as one of those very respected uh, um, mediums for disseminating information and knowledge, you know, they actually look at agility as a very positive and healthy thing. So the Agile practice inform us. The Agile practice to me is a multiplier, and knowledge workers are given a sustainable path to accomplish quality work. So when I look at, there's about 12 or so Agile principles, and so I, I begin to select different Agile principles that we could inform ourselves about how are we getting better, how do we get, go about getting work done. And so one of my favorite is Agile principle number eight, which is that this Agile process promotes sustainable, um, a sustainable development, and so the sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant space, a, a constant done pace indefinitely, where we could work together and without killing ourselves, without having those death marches. So the way Agile um, practice informs us to transform culture is to increase customer value, both internal and externally. Look at how we increase communication and co collaboration between each other as a team, increase learning and improvements, increase transparency, and increase quality. So if we look at these five key elements of how they inform us how to do value to customer and improve communication, 
this gives us an opportunity in, in many different instances to improve and get 4x more. I wanted to take a look at a business case so that we could truly illustrate what does this 4x more really mean in something that's really tangible. And I know this is a very busy graph, but if we start up top where we have a waterfall timeline, and so let me just set the stage, and, and we'll contrast, you know, two similar projects. Um, one that's run with the, water, um, the traditional project management stage gates te technique, and the other will use agile practices to inc incremental goals with customer engagement. So when we look at the very top, where we're looking at the waterfall timeline, you would see that after a lengthy project charter development, uh, the project starts somewhere in January. Let's assume that that's the case. And after doing a few customer workshops, then business design may start somewhere in April and must be improved in order to start technical design. So you can see there are months of gaps where people are collecting information, writing documents, and then perhaps we can start technical design somewhere in August. And then after the approval of that, then perhaps we could start development somewhere in January. And maybe we move the timeline in, and this may be a bit exaggerated, but I've been through these types of experiences. Then after development begins in January, you know, the, only, the first time that we may have an opportunity to realize any type of revenue will be sometime in July or August. So you can see from the time the project started in January of 2016, the organization has a limited opportunity to generate any type of revenue until 18 months after the project starts. Now, if we take the same project and we look at the Agile um, timeline, which has incremental deliverables called Minimum Viable Products, or MVP, which are nothing more than a small slice of work where you could receive customer feedback. And you could think of customer feedback as a great economic value that people pay a fortune to obtain. What's missing in this slide here is prior to the start in January, we would have had a voice of customer or some type of workshop to start understanding exactly what the customer's needs are or even take the pulse of the market. We may have done some user experience um, type workshop out here. So in Q1 of, of that same year, 2016, you know, the, the, based on um, VOC, the team is able to design, develop, and test to ensure that small increments um, is available for customers to review and for us to get some feedback. And you can see here by the end of March and the start of April, we already have some level of work and, and something built where we can start to gather the voice of customer. So one thing that the voice of customer could do when you're just, um, demonstrating an MVP is that it could lead to pre-orders and revenue as early as Q2 of 2016 down here where you have revenue one. So at every, opportunity, every MVP um, presentation or promotion to our customers, you have an opportunity to generate revenue as illustrated with revenue one, revenue two, revenue three. So if you look at the same time frame over 18 months, you may have had the opportunity of six different times where you could begin to, to look at where revenue is possible. 
And I know this seems perhaps a little simplistic, but this is the way we work. This is how we get people engaged and we begin that process forward. Now, there has to, there's a road to value. This road to value um, is a journey and, and it has many attributes. So we think of lean thinking and agile practices as a key component to that. We have to do some level of visioning um, and create strategic themes so we have something that's tangible and fundable. We build cross-functional teams so they could collaborate better, which really engages teams to get things done faster and build quality software products in. The key thing is that we want to get to innovations. Innovation is, is critical. You either innovate or die in this market today. We have to get the market much faster. A net promoter score is critical. And the, the key thing is continual learning with retrospective and look forward. And we're going to do deep dives into each one of these different areas. Now, I bring up the lean thinking and agile practices. And when you think of lean thinking, it puts us in a mindset of generating more innovative value with the least amount of waste. That's what we're focused on. And agile practice guide our work by inspecting and adapting to take proactive actions to produce the highest quality outcomes. So there is a table that I have put together, and this table comes from my book, Transforming Your Leadership Character, where we, we think about value and respect, that we think value as being the money ball. And as we have more and more respect for our customers, for ourselves, for organization, we generate more value, which we generate more of the money ball. What is pretty, pretty much what the, um, the business leaders are looking for? Now, some people balk at value stream and saying that we shouldn't really think of that as a practice or lean thinking, but value streams are nothing more than incremental steps that we take to ensure that we have the optimal outcome at every point in time. And so we make sure with transparency that these value streams are vis visible to everyone who's interested in the actual outcome. Flow is key, where we could frequently inspect what's really going on so that we build the right things at the right time. Eliminating waste. Um, and what I, what I say is to minimize weight, waste, because I don't think you could fully eliminate waste. But we know that waste exists, so we have to really inspect and adapt and remove unneeded steps for optimal results. We only want to build what the customer needs. We don't want to over-engineer anything. So we work on a pull system, and we want to commit only to the work that customer demands or where there's market opportunities. Continual improvement or and, and empiricism and so where we're in a mindset of relentlessly measuring the, the, the progress that we're making, the learnings and the value creation, and what spans both lean thinking and agile practice is courage. Courage. Courage to change, collaborate, and win, which I think are highly important for us to go forward in, in a world where everyone wants to know everything up front. We know that's not real. Now, visioning and strategic thinking. When we think of visioning, we're thinking about active participation to point to a future based on ideation and customer feedback from validated learning. <clears throat> so the, pers the perspective may begin with a thought, but is learned by asking existing and potential customers powerful questions. 
For example, did our product help you obtain a healthier lifestyle? Missioning use frequent discovery to create a pipeline of new opportunities which sustain market relevance through strategic themes. Now the active participation continues to engage customers in increments to gather relevant information through probing and analytics. Now strategic themes are actionable desired outcomes with appropriate funding for products teams to execute. So for example, develop a mobile application to engage customers to purchase educational videos about making healthy juices. So that's something that's really tangible, that's something that can be funded. Another critical thing that is that innovation is the key to moving the needle for an organization. When we look at, at it, it's that in business, the mantra of innovate or die is the message espoused by many business thought lead leaders, including Peter Drucker. Organizations that are not innovating are being disrupted. Just think of Uber and the taxi industry. You know, it's one thing that comes to mind immediately. Uh, we have to engage members of the organization, and so they have to be informed that innovation is part of the job requirement. And this is something Peter Drucker says. And I know really do you find an organization that places a premium on innovation through 100% employee engagement. So I ask you, when was the last time your company asked you to create something innovative? And that's something I want you guys to hold on to and says, when was the last time that someone in my organization came and tapped me in the shoulder and said, I want you to be as innovative as you possibly can. Another key element for, for rather than innovation is that using the wisdom of crowds and this is a common practice in the Agile organization to create innovative products. Crowdsourcing is a growing pattern of gathering innovative ideas. I know I've been chatting for a while, so now it's time for you to pipe in. We want to have like a group engagement, and Denise is, you know, help us to do this. So I want you to choose the item that does not support the road to value. So is it A? Lean thinking and agile practices. B, visioning and strategic themes. C, vocal variety. Or D, faster time to market. What do you think that does not support the, the road to value? the meantime that we do wait for them to vote, um, I'd like to invite our audience to please um, engage. Um, go ahead and type in your questions. Do you have any comments? Um, we want we want to be able to answer those, right, Dave? Yep, we want to we're, we're answer them. And a great pause point to do that is every time we have these group engagement. Maybe we grab one or two, Denise. Maybe we get some people um, their questions now and engage as much as possible instead of waiting to at the end. What do you think? I agree. Okay, let's go All for right. it. Check out um, our results here. All right, so we had um, zero percent today, <laughs> and seven percent uh, said B, seventy percent said C, and twenty-two percent said D. 
What's the correct and, answer? And the answer is C, vocal variety. So most of you have been paying attention. I chose vocal variety because I'm a Toastmaster, and through our, our effort in Toastmasters, vocal variety is one of those critical and very important way of presenting. So let's move on to the next slide. If there aren't any questions, I want to tell you that people create value. Um, and the, the thing is, right now, bots or robots are the new hot thing. People opine that human beings will, will be replaced by bots. But I ask the question, who will create those bots? I believe that human beings are the greatest contributors to society and should not be falsely misled that our value is dimish, diminished. So I said people are the greatest organization value contributors. I mean, when you look at, a, at an organization, that's where most of the innovation comes from. People can go faster with lean thinking and agile practices. This helps us to remove waste as frequently as possible to produce the highest value for our organization. Team engagement and cross-functional team collab collaboration you know, contributes to higher quality products. So some, when you work in a collaborative environment, the contribution of different skilled knowledge workers lead to quality products through collaborative testing as well. The big result that we're looking for is Net Promoter Score. And if you don't know what Net NPS is, this is about customer loyalty, both internally and externally. As someone once told me, it's a lot cheaper to work with your existing customer than to try and get a new one. So NPS is huge. It's very important for us to move the needle forward. Huge in, in Agile is cross-functional team collaboration. And I look at one of the principles for Agile, which is Agile principle number 12. And it says, at regular intervals, the team reflects on how to become more effective. Or I should change that and said, business people and developers must work together, together through daily throughput of the project, throughout the project. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Agile principle number four. I was thinking about something else, retrospective, which is actual principle number 12. So self-corrected, that people have to work together. And if we're in a software environment, business people and developers must work together uh, throughout the project. And we, through that, we end up with a shared vision and an intention to get everyone on the same page. And so we're, we're involved with frequent feedback, which gives us this great opportunity for the people who own the products and the, the, and the development team to align through shared goals. With the frequent and, and interaction, what we, we find is that transparency among team members provides the opportunity to become more effective by inspecting their own habits and the decision on what to do and how to change. So this gives an opportunity where the business leaders, different people who represent the business leaders and the builders of things who are working throughout the day, they have a great opportunity to share information back and forth. Team engagement, a very critical um, element in trying to get anything done in an organization. So I hinge this on Agile principle number five. We said build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and 
and support they need and trust them to get the job done. I wonder how many of you out there get this opportunity. I mean, sometimes I feel that I'm really blessed to be in a space and work in the Agile practice where this is a commonplace thing, where people could go forward and, and work together to make sure that they could get things done without someone cracking the whip. Now, what you want is self-organizing and self-controlling team, and you get that by trusting them to deliver what is needed. As a leader, and sometimes as an influencer, you could cultivate flexible, responsive, and a collaborative culture. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, you go back to principle number five, where you build projects around motivated individuals, and you give them that environment, that space, so that they can support and support and make sure that they could get the work done. Now, the other aspect of the, this is, is that as those group of people are working together, now they can make that determination and they could get to the same mindset to ensure that they can reach the, the desired objective and the desired goal by sharing knowledge, learning, and building consensus. And this is not always easy, but it's something that's achievable. And over time, with practice, you could certainly get there. Well, here we go again with another group engagement. I wanted to make sure that we get you involved early and often. It's an Agile practice. So let's look at Agile principle number five. We just talked about it. It guides us to build projects around motivated individuals. Is that true or is that false? All right, let's see what our audience has to say. Ah, 90 percent. I think they're paying attention. percent falls. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. they are. I think they're paying attention this morning. If I could only get the frog out of my voice. Let's keep going. And part of getting 4x more as anyone would know, is having quality products where people, based on loyalty, continue to buy more and more of your products and perhaps even use social media as a medium to share their loyalty and the love of your product. So the way we get there is I think of a lean principle number two to build quality in. Make sure that quality is part of your products from start to end. But also, we couple that with Agile principle number three. This is deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter time scale. And the reason is, is that as, as I illustrated in my business case earlier, when we had 18 months in the traditional project management state gauge approach, you didn't get the revenue until almost 18 months. 
And the other approach, where we're using incremental delivery with customer engagement and building MVPs, you could see at the end of every quarter, we had an opportunity to take that to market. And that's just one perspective. Matter of fact, there's some organization that's even tighter. At the end of two months, they go out and start probing their customers with an MVP. Some even go every two weeks. It just depends on the market and business that you're in. I just happen to work in a more conservative organization and in conservative in, um, market where people are not as open to changes as quickly as two weeks or even one week. So we want to continue to do frequent um, integration, which reduces the amount of time that we spend in producing bills or delivering a product to market, or even internally for review. Um, the thing is, you want to manage trade-offs for acceptance of rework or refactoring. The, the, as, as we begin to have more and more inspect and adapt, people could start giving you feedback frequently so that we could build high-quality products in. A faster time to market. And I think that what I wanted to look at is um, a quote from Jeff Gotthelf uh, from Harvard Business Review. And he says, as the nature of software continues to shift towards continuous delivery, we deploy products, observe, measure, interview, learn, and optimize in hours, not months. Decisions are made quickly. Now, in, in the software industry, this is certainly true, where we have the opportunity to use this concept of DevOps, or continuous integration, or cont and continuous deployment. An opportunity where we could be, we could build and make sure we get software tested in hours and not days. Or and and that's just an amazing feat. Um, just looking at my experience before, where it would often take, you know, weeks, months, sometimes to, to get a good build out. Now we're at the the point where you could get a build out in minutes, just by clicking a button and using the right tools. Um, I know last year I did a, a presentation on, on DevOps um, here in this forum. So maybe you go out to Project um, Insight, take a look. Uh, I think it was called DevOps IT Service Management in the Land of Narnia. So you can go back and look at that presentation and learn more about how we're able to move, um, move software products faster to market. Now, we talked about Net Promoter Score. A Net Promoter Score is really something that's focused on the customer or individual, and they're responding to value received. And they take that value and share it with others, you know, which is huge. Which in marketing, you would call that word of mouth, which any marketer would tell you that word of mouth marketing is one, one of the most valuable because, A, it's cheap. And it costs really your organization nothing. And B, you know, you have someone who is actually doing a testimonial for your product. NPS is really huge. And the way you execute that is really through sometimes um, people use surveys to ask people, what do you think about our products? And, and the focus is always on building customer loyalty. Um, we want to make sure that the, 
through this process that we begin to understand customer happiness. You know, how are they responding to our products and how is that helping them to, you know, get their job done faster? Um, or is it helping them to have a healthier lifestyle? And, and most people at times do not think about this, especially in the software side of things. We tend to only think about what we're building. But just imagine if NPS was built in throughout the organization and it became a, a common focus. I think it would make a tremendous difference in how we build software, how we produce products, and bring that to market. Ah, yes, another group engagement. And Denise, if you want to add one or two questions in here. Um, so let's ask the question. Net Promoter Score enables customer loyalty growth. What do you guys think? In the meantime, um, here's a question from, I think, the previous slide. It's like, how can it be frequent and go from two weeks to two months? How could what be this is how could it be frequent where it could go from two weeks to two months? Let's see. Are we talking about well? Okay. So let me answer that question. So how could it be frequent if it goes from two weeks to two months? Um, the, the frequency is really up to your organization. Um, most in, in if you're using a standard Scrum practice. Most um, sprints are roughly about two weeks. Um, and basically, you could deliver value as quickly as one week. I mean, because the premise is that you could deliver anything from one to four weeks as a sprint duration. Now, the reality is that some organization create these boundaries that says, we don't want to, our, our customers, because it's all customer driven, our customers cannot accept anything sooner than two months, or our customers cannot accept any new features or changes sooner than three months. Um, some organizations like um, Amazon and, and Google, so, you know, they're pushing updates and new value as quickly as every 11 seconds. And so it's, it really it depends on the organization and what your customer can consume, because if your customer or your organization is unable to consume your, your output at a high rate, then to me that's waste. We need to have someone to consume that value on, on the other side. So two weeks is, is the normal uh, boundary for delivering value in a sprint. Two months is really some organization release cycle. So I hope that answers that because it's really up to the organization based on what the customer is willing to pay for and what the customer is willing to consume internally and externally. So I hope I answered that question. Um, so here we are at Net Promoter Score. I think everyone has been paying attention that, yes, NPS gives us some um, loyalty growth. So let's move along to retrospective and look forward. What I look at for retrospective, it helps us to emphasize continual learning. It's a way for us to seek to get things done in a new way and to also create space for innovation. 
I hinge this on Agile principle number 12. And it says, at regular intervals, the team reflects on how to become more effective, then tunes and adjusts its behavior accordingly. Now, what this does, it helps us to create a space for, to allow teams to really be self-organizing and to be self-deterministic. And we do this by trust, trusting them to deliver what is needed. We create this culture that's really flexible and responsive, and it's collaborative. Now the team as a whole, they determine to reach what objective that's set forth by sharing knowledge, learning, and building consensus. So I could tell you that in our practice, that at the end of our sprint, which is two weeks, we run a retrospective. And we do look forward to figure out exactly what will we do to get better. And so if you think of that, every month I have two opportunities to improve. And they're very specific things that the team as a whole focus on. We want to get better in the way we communicate. So the focus and emphasis through the Scrum Master who helps to really navigate and really helps to facilitate um, those efforts to ensure that everyone is working and how do we communicate better and they may put different games and techniques in place to achieve that goal. Uh, the thing is it's also looking at things that are blocking us from success. So for example if you have to wait one month for provisioning any type of IT equipment that's something that you have to work on as a team to make sure that you can remove that. It could also be how do you distinguish between things that you have influence over and things that you have control over and making that distinction to realize of how are you going to invest your energy to solve a simple thing like I have control over the way I test my software and I may have influence over how I work with other professionals in my organization to get things done. So it's being able to, as a team, to look through things that are really affecting us. But some, one thing I don't want us to lose sight of in a retrospective, because a lot of people do this, the only thing they focus on is things that require a corrective action. I, I want to leave this slide in the context that we should also celebrate the successes that we do have. And a lot of teams forget to do that. It's important that we celebrate the successes that we have as a team. Now I want to summarize in a very broad, high way, um, you know, what we were talking about this morning. And so the economic value indicators include things like cross-functional teams you know, they collaborate effectively. So this is the value when you start measuring exactly what is this 4x more that we're actually getting. You know, you have this great confidence um, that our leadership is beginning to look at the teams and go, oh yeah, wow, we, we don't have to do much. These teams are just doing work, getting things done, they're getting along, they're figuring things out, and we don't have to spend a lot of energy 
trying to babysit a team. You know, perhaps that's a great economic value for the organization where a leader could use that energy to perhaps build greater relationship, you know, outside of the building or even within the walls of that building. Uh, and having great quality in your software means that we're not robbing uh, Peter to pay Paul. That we could essentially focus our energy on building new innovations versus spending most of our time trying to do rework, things that was done before. And it's very costly when you have what people call, quote-unquote, technical debt. It means you can't build anything new or your system is, is slower than what's acceptable in the market. So if that's a focus, there is part of the 4x more. Now also, the happiness index, you know, making sure that that is higher than it was before, where people are really f finding that level of satisfaction in their daily work. Now all of these things together tend to lead to where we could have greater economic impact on our organization and for our shareholders. And that's really key. This whole thing is about shareholders as well. Shareholders um, are the one who invest money in our companies and it is important that we create a value back to them. But with that, I think we have a few minutes to have some more questions, some more dialogue. I, I just wanted Denise to give us some space. Uh, at least we have like five to ten minutes of, of dialogue if that's necessary, if people feel um, compelled to ask questions or even share um, an idea, a thought, or an experience. So why don't we try that for the next five to ten minutes and see what we have. Yes, of course. Um, so let's start with our first question. What is the overhead, you know, what is the overhead to more frequent product delivery to the customer? It, if you build the engine right, so what is what is the the overhead cost to, for frequent uh, delivery to market? I think there's the first or second time there's going to be some overhead costs because you have to build a runway for that to, to happen, right? I mean, in terms of producing a product launch um, as one mechanism to moving the work out to customers, but it all depends on what product you're dealing with. If you're dealing with software products then you orchestrate your system such that you could push new features whenever you want to. And there's this concept called feature toggling where I could put features that I've, I've finished early out into our software and I only enable it when it's time, when there's a demand for it. And so in, in some of those contexts, um, building that runway, there's a one-time cost that you have to, to put in there. So if you want to do things like DevOps where you could do automated testing, automated deployment, um, automated evaluation of your systems, there's going to be a cost to buy tooling and equip people with the right skills to get there. Uh, and, and so I, I think that in, in our scenario, that has been a worthwhile investment because it's really interesting. I was talking to some people who, who respond, uh, report to me, and they're saying, you know, we're like so excited that we could actually plan our work, get it done, and it's fully tested at a unit level, it's fully tested at a functionate level, um, we're able to do performance testing, and all with a click of a single button. 
Well, guess what? They did that all in two weeks. And if you do incremental bills every two weeks, over time, you're going to have a, a, a tremendous library and runway of great capabilities. I hope that, ans I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Um, next question. Changing solutions can make a sprint longer. How is this handled in an agile environment? Well, that's very broad in terms of changing solutions. Um, in, once you start a sprint, and I think that's what you said, did you say changing solution in, in the, during a sprint? Could you just ask that one more time, Denise, so I could be clear? Maybe that person can give us a little more feedback, but the question um, says, changing solutions can make the sprint longer. How is this handled in an agile environment? And uh, this is during the sprint, so they clarified. Okay. Okay, good. So you, you don't ever change anything during a sprint. When t once you start a sprint, it's only two weeks. It's not like, you know, in the old days, you have a, a three to six month um, time frame. It's two weeks. It's 10 business days. You finish the committed work of that sprint. You want to minimize blowing up your sprints because all of a sudden people start losing confidence in the fact that we have the ability to identify and prioritize work properly. So you don't change things uh, during the sprint. You finish the work that was planned for the sprint, and at the end of the sprint, you said, okay, we need to pivot and focus our solution on something new. Then you do that during you know, your sessions of grooming and sprint planning. So just to let you know, don't ever blow up your sprints. Uh, you know, there's, there are times when that may be necessary because perhaps you have a lot of technical debt and quality isn't built in, um, you may need to blow up your sprints because of that to support your customers. But my advice to you is don't do it. Thank you. Um, let's see here, next question. Can Agile principles be used in an environment where each project lasts three months or less? Sure. I mean, Agile principles could be used in, in projects that last as short as a week. Um, it's, you know, we just had this amazing phenomena where two of our admins or admin assistants who went off to become certified scrum masters, we, we set them out to training, and you could see, and so they, their projects are a lot shorter, right? maybe a week in duration, some of them just days, and they're already applying these principles, and we could see that they're like so much more satisfied and people are so much more engaged. So Agile principles are not just for software. Uh, to me, it's Agile is a life skill. Thank you. Um, next question. How do you apply many revisions in hardware or regulated, regulated environments? Well, I work in a regulated environment. Um, we make both hardware, software, chemical compounds. Um, so re revisions are, are nothing more than work that needs to be planned. And you put those in your backlog. And based on priorities, you figure, figure is it Rep 1, Rep 2, Rep 3, Rep 4 is priority 1, 2, 3, 4 in your backlog? Or is it Rep 4, Rep 2, Rep 1? It's really up to what they call the product owner to really prioritize the needs of the organization. So whether it's regulatory or it's variances in hardware, um, 
changes, I mean, you have to prioritize. What, which one do you do first? Which one gives you the greatest bang for the buck? And, and those are decisions that has to be made by the product owner and, and really the, some of the leaders who are involved with, with what's needed. Uh, so I hope that really helps. It, it really shouldn't matter what industry you're in. It's really prioritizing what's first, what's second, what's third and really shifting those in during your sprints to ensure that the highest priority item is always worked on first, one at a time. Thank you. Um, next, is it important for the Scrum Master to be with the team at all times? I would say no. Uh, once you get a team up and working, and, and normally that's probably around three to six sprints, so, so you're looking at around a quarter, and sometimes it takes longer. Um, the only time that the, the Scrum Master is really needed is to remove impediments. So when you have your daily stand-up, uh, you're asking, you know, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? And what's blocking you from success? I mean, the last question is what we really care about. What is blocking you from success? I mean, it's up to the team to really deliver work that they've made commitment on. Um, you don't, even though we may have grooming and planning and, and retrospective, a seasoned Agile team is able to get through those ceremonies without a scrum master. I make this as a case where I am today. I tell scrum masters, it's like, if the teams are, are solid enough and able to really get things done without you, you know, let's try and figure out something else that needs to be done because there's always lots of stuff to, to get done and there's always lots of impediments, especially if you have dependencies between multiple teams. So would you say in order for, you know, this to happen, you would need a highly mature team? I would say that you do need a mature team for, for to have less... Um, guidance or and, and less coaching by the scrum master. Thank you. And um, one last question. These have been mixed on the role of the PM in Agile projects. Want to share your thoughts? The PM as in project manager? Yes. Okay, well the, the project manager could either be a product owner or scrum master, if they understand and have a high business acumen, they could be the product owner. And a product owner represents the voice of the customer. Um, their job is to prioritize work and really define what is the acceptance criteria to really satisfy the, the work that's prioritized. Now, they have one other role, it's clarification, well, two other. One is clarifications uh, for the teams if they have questions. And the final is, you know, they come in and really verify the work that's produced satisfies the acceptance criteria and the prioritized work. Now, the Scrum Master is another role that a project management could take on. And it's more coaching and facilitating. And it's not the command and control type patterns um, that we have in, in traditional project management. It's not tell me how long this is going to take because we are bounded by a two-week sprint. It's really the team telling everyone that this is what we can do within two weeks. So it's a big difference and it's, it's a, a huge paradigm shift for 
many traditional project managers because now the, the focus is on risk, the focus is on dependencies, which should be the actual focus and allowing the teams and the builders of things, people who really know how to do the work, you know, giving them their freedom and capability to get that work done. So um, the, the product project manager has the opportunity to play either a product owner role or the role of a scrum master. And if they want to, they could be also just become a, a scrum team member if they build software or they're great uh, validators of, of software that's built too. So there's also that third option. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks um, to our audience for all these great, great questions. Um, so Dave, I'll let you wrap up with your slides. Um, and then I also have a few closing slides. Okay. So we went through any questions. Um, just to let you guys know that, I mean, I blog a lot on nullshare.org. And if you want to get out there and, and take some of our uh, free Agile courses, you could go out there and register and go out there and take some of our information. Uh, get out there and buy my book. It's um, called Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way. That's out on Amazon.com. That gives you a great opportunity for collaborative learning. Uh, you know, if you want to get involved with Five Saturdays, uh, this is where we spend time really sharing our knowledge and experiences with high school students. So if you want to get involved, learn more and donate. Visit uh, www.5saturdays.org. And my podcast, I put, uh, put out at least one or two uh, per month. Um, this is where I have dialogues and conversation and interviews with different uh, industry experts. And you can find us, find me on iTunes and also on Google Play. But you could find, visit like www.grokshare.com and they're, they're free. Um, if you need PDUs and SEUs, grab some because, you know, normally those sessions are about 30 minutes in length. And here's our contact information. If you want to get out there to Nalshare, it's www.nalshare.org. Or connect with us on Twitter at Nalshare. Denise? Thank you. All right, guys. Um, so PDUs, you will automatically receive your PDU certificate via email towards the end of today. Um, another thing I do want to mention, which we've been seeing a lot of, for those of you that have Gmails and whose PDUs are being sent to your Gmail accounts, please make sure to check your Promotions tab. For some reason, we tend to see PDUs um, going there instead of your primary inbox, um, so just in case. If not, then, of course, you can always feel free to reach me at denise.rodriguez at projectinsight.com for any other questions or anything else I can help you with, I'd be happy to do so. And uh, you will earn one PDU per webinar attended. And remember, these only include project management and agile webinars. And to register your PDU, you can log into PMI, um, log in as a member of PMI, and go ahead and select course or training and fill out all the information below, which will also be available within your PDU certificate. And I believe that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much, Dave, for a great presentation. It's very nice having you back um, to our webinar sessions. And we'd like 
to thank our audience as usual for your time and for being awesome for all your great questions and comments. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great, great weekend. Um, and we will see you next time. Sounds good, Denise. Look for the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes and Google Play. The Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast is hosted on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at drdaveinfo or at nalshare. This podcast and interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2017, Nalshare.